Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to, excuse me, Matthew 26. This morning, again, we're going to be in a four-week, begin a four-week sermon series entitled Breaking Free. Am I on right now? Okay, great. Um, We're going to look at the importance of breaking free from such things as regret, um, resentment, stronghold, as well as others. This morning, though, we're looking at the importance of breaking free from regret. How many of you have ever lived with regret? Raise your hand. All of us have lived with some sort of regret, most likely. There's fiscal regrets, parental regrets, educational regrets, professional regrets, relational regrets, moral regrets, spiritual regrets. We all have regrets. This morning, we're going to look at the heartbreaking account of when Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ hours before his crucifixion. What Peter would do would prove to be one of the greatest mistakes of his life. What I want us to see this morning and throughout this sermon series is this. A failure is not a disqualifier. Know that. Let that burn into your brain and into our hearts this morning. A failure is not a disqualifier. Just because you have failed, Just because you and I have allowed ourselves to be chained to our regrets, we can be forgiven and restored just as Peter was. Notice our first point this morning. It's this, Peter's pridefulness. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 30, we read these words. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Here's what we see. We see Peter pridefully tell Jesus that he will never deny him. You ever been there? Have you ever been so confident in your own strength that you made such a declaration as Peter did? Peter says, I will never deny you. But Jesus says, you're not only going to deny me once, but you're going to deny me twice, and you will deny me a third time. And to put an exclamation point upon that statement, Jesus says, you will deny me before the rooster crows. Now, what does this proud man do? It is almost as if he he points his finger around the room and says, although all of them may deny you, I will never deny you. Well, we know as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, don't we? In Luke, we see just a little bit more to Jesus' response toward Peter. We read, um, Jesus says in Luke 22, beginning in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. 
And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Notice first within this passage of scripture, there's a demand that is made by Satan. Satan demands access to Peter in order to tear him apart and to rip him away from Jesus, just like he had done to Judas. Some of us may think, who the heck does Satan think he is? When I, I am a believer and Satan no longer has any authority over me whatsoever. He may not have authority over us, but know this, Satan certainly still can influence our decisions, can't he? Think about just this week. How many times did you allow Satan to influence the decisions that you made? Probably more than once like I did. Peter would allow Satan to influence his decision. Again, the devil may not have authority over us, but he certainly can influence those decisions that we made. Jesus made that clear in John 10.10. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is always trying to steal, kill, and destroy us, isn't he? There's been many times that we have allowed him access into our lives, and he has brought destruction to our life and to the lives of those that we have been around. That's kind of one of the reasons we're talking about regret. What is, uh, you know, when we think about regret, the reason we have regret is because we said something to someone or we did something directed at someone that has caused us to live with this thing called regret. Peter, years later, would write these words in 1 Peter chapter 5. We can see from Peter that he did learn from his mistakes. We read these words. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The devil, he is looking for moments of weakness. He wants to undo and destroy our marriages. He wants to destroy our businesses. He wants to destroy our moral standards, doesn't he? Jesus was very clear with Peter, and he tells him what the devil was planning to do to him. Always be aware of this. There is absolutely nothing that the devil is going to attempt to do to you that Jesus is not aware of. Take comfort in that. Satan may try to tempt us. Satan may try to get a foothold into our lives, but Jesus is always aware of that. And because Jesus is aware aware of that, we can know that we have the strength needed as believers in Jesus Christ to resist the devil. Notice the Lord's commitment. We see here in verse 32 of Luke chapter 22, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. We read in John 17 of of Jesus's prayer, don't we? Where Jesus prays for his disciples and he prays for you and I as well. Jesus is committed to us. He is interceding for us even this day. We are going to fail. Jesus is aware of this before it happens. But when we fail, 
there is always a way for us to be restored. Do not ever let Satan think that, that he has won the victory over you. If you are a believer, he has not won the victory, and he will not. We belong to the Lord. That was settled at the cross, wasn't it? It was settled the moment that you and I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice next. Notice Peter's rejection. In Matthew 26, beginning in verse 69, we read these words. Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. Then a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Following Jesus, being betrayed by Judas and arrested and brought into the city, Luke tells us that Peter followed at a distance. He enters that courtyard where he would be accused on three separate occasions of knowing Jesus. And with, we, with each accusation, comes an adamant denial, right? The Lord knows what he is talking about, doesn't he? The Lord made it clear to Peter that he would deny him three separate times. And guess what Peter did on three separate occasions? He denied that he ever knew who Jesus was. In fact, with his third denial, would come a statement that seems a little bit surprising to us. In verse 74, we read, then he began to invoke a curse on himself. What does it mean that he began to curse? Does it mean that he started swearing like a sailor? Does it mean that he said some words that would make his mama blush? No, what Peter does is he invokes a curse upon himself, doesn't he? He probably made a statement like this. If I am lying about what I am saying to you, then may God himself strike me dead. May God himself damn me to hell if I am not telling the truth. That's what Peter does here. He invokes a curse upon himself. And we know what happens after he makes that final denial. When he made that final denial, we read in verse 75, And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I think all of us have been where Peter was. We found ourselves saying, I will never, ever, 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 ever do that. Only to do what? Only to do it, right? Let's look at Peter's regret. In verse 75 again, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When he heard that rooster crow, I don't know what emotions he, he experienced other than what we read in Scripture. Scripture tells us that he left and he wept bitterly. He wept, he sobbed, 
He was a broken man, wasn't he? What does this tell us about Peter? I think it tells us that, that he loved the Lord with all of his heart. Yes, he denied the Lord. Yes, he had a moment of weakness. It would be one of the greatest moments of weakness with all, within all of human history. But he had that moment of weakness. But one thing that Peter never did, Peter never renounced his faith, did he? We're all going to have moments of weakness. We're all going to be left at that point in our lives, maybe not where we're so brokenhearted like Peter was, where we weep and we sob because of our sin, but we're going to have those moments in our lives where we're going to regret what we did. We're going to regret those words that we spoke toward our kids. We're going to regret those, those things that we did not do or that we did do. My prayer for all of us in this room is when we fail, and we will fail, my prayer for us is we recognize what we have done and immediately allow the Lord to restore us. Let's think for just a moment about some causes of failure in our own lives. Why do we fail? Well, one reason is because of our pride, right? In Proverbs 16, 18, Solomon wrote these words, pride goes before destruction. One of the number one reasons we fail is because of ourselves. We allow ourselves to rise to the top instead of allowing the Lord to rise to the top, right? Another cause of failure is our prayerlessness. We looked at um, prayer as we walked through our core values over the past few weeks, if you and I want to grow in our relationship with the Lord, if we want to grow in our faith, then we need to be people of prayer. We need to commune with the Father. We need to grow in our relationship with the Father. If we don't actively pursue a prayer-driven life, then that could be a reason for our own failures. Next, we, we know that our spiritual laziness is also a reason that we fail. Spiritual laziness is an extension of prayerlessness. You and I need to pray. We also need to be people of the Word. We need to read the Word. We need to study the Word. We need to hide the Word, and we need to share the Word with other people. When we allow our spiritual tanks to get empty, and we've all been there, then guess what we're going to do? We're going to fill our tanks with other things, aren't we? We're going to fill up those tanks with our work or our school, television, people, social media, entertainment, sporting events, a hobby that we might have. We are going to allow those tanks to overflow again. The problem is if we're not allowing those tanks to overflow with Jesus, and we're going to allow those tanks to overflow with the world. And when we allow the, the world to, to rise to the top in our lives, then guess what? We're going to probably experience some sort of failures in our lives. Another reason that, that, that we see is our companions. The people we hang out with are, are, are sometimes could be the reason for our spiritual failures. How many of you have ever been led astray by a friend? Raise your hand. All of us probably at some point. Now, some of you may have to reach back all the way to, you know, your, your high school days or your young adult days or whatever to, to really think about a time that you've been led astray by a friend. But we've all been there. We've all done that. We need to have lost friends. 
but we need to make sure those lost friends do not have us, right? In closing this morning, Peter thought his life and his ministry and his purpose was over. But as we will see next, the Lord was not done with Peter. So notice Peter's restoration. In Mark chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, we read these words. But go, um, the angel of the Lord says, But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. We don't know what the three days following the death of Jesus were like for, for Peter, but we know that they were probably full of weeping, full of regret, full of, of wishing that he could replay those moments all over again. We've all been there. We, re, we wish that we can just hit rewind on that tape and, and replay that scenario over again. Here's the thing that I love about this story, okay? Um, there is more to this story than just Peter's prideful declaration and his epic failure. I'm so grateful that Jesus affirmed in Peter before his sinful act that he would be restored again to his place of ministry. Remember in Luke twenty-two thirty-three, Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, when you have turned again, Jesus tells Peter, strengthen your brothers. Following the resurrection, the angel of the Lord would specifically direct his words at Peter. And he would also um, tell those that were in attendance at the tomb to go and tell Peter that, that Jesus was going to summon him to a meeting in Galilee. And, 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 and we also read in Scripture that not only did the angel tell P, um, the, the disciples and, and those in attendance to tell Peter that, that Jesus wanted a meeting with them, but we're also told in Luke chapter 24 that the Lord had, had risen indeed and he also appeared to Simon. We know nothing of this moment other than the fact that Jesus appeared to him. Did he tell him that all was going to be okay? Did he tell him that, 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 that he forgave him at that moment? We don't know what that conversation was like. We just know that he appeared to him. What he did do is, 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 is when we fast forward a few days, we find Peter and some of the other disciples back in Galilee, don't we? And, and in Galilee, what we see the disciples doing is they re return to what they knew, fishing. They're out on the Sea of Galilee. They're fishing. And, and while they're fishing, Jesus appears and, and he summons them. They come back into shore. And we read in, in John 21, 9, these words, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and breath. Peter comes to Jesus, and Jesus is sitting by a charcoal fire, and breakfast is being prepared. A couple years ago, I heard a sermon by Tony Evans, and he pointed out this scene in his sermon, and it's kind of stuck with me ever since. This is not a coincidental scene, okay? This is one of those things that oftentimes we just we read and we study, but we don't pay attention to the detail. I want us to pay attention this morning to the detail. 
The word charcoal is only used two times in the New Testament, and both of those times occur in the book of John. In John 18, 18, we read, Now the servant and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Check this out this morning. What Jesus is about to do is he's about to take Peter back to that moment of his failure, to that moment of his denial. Why is he going to do that? Because, he, because in order for Peter to return, he has to first do business with the Lord. In order for Peter to be restored to his place of ministry, he must first deal with his moment of failure. He wants to turn yours and my regrets and failures into moments of restoration, just like he did for Peter. Notice in John 21, 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He is called Simon here, isn't he? Not Peter. Peter was the name that Jesus gave him that means rock. But that's not how Jesus is addressing Peter right now, right? He's addressing him by the name, by his birth name, isn't he? I'm sure Peter was clearly aware of how Jesus was addressing him. And Peter probably thought, I deserve to be called Simon and not the rock right now. Jesus says to Simon, do you love me? We know that in the New Testament, the word love, it, there's, there's several different meanings of it. There's two that are, me, that are used in this passage of Scripture. There is phileo, which means brotherly love, and there is also agape, which is God's love for us. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus asked Peter if he agapes him. And Peter tells Jesus that he phileos him. Peter is telling Jesus that he has a brotherly love for him, right? Jesus tells Simon, then feed my lambs. You see what Jesus is doing here is he is slowly beginning to restore Peter to that moment of ministry. He is telling him that I'm going to restore you to ministry, but before I give you back um, full reign and full control, I'm going to first start you out down here. It's almost like Jesus is telling Peter that, Peter, before you can go back into adult ministry, you got to start out in preschool ministry. You got to get hit upside the head with that rubber mallet a few times. You got to change a few dirty diapers before I'm going to give you access to my people again. And then in verse 16, we read, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Once again, Jesus asked Simon if he agapes him, and Peter responds again to, I phileo you. Jesus then tells Peter to tend to the sheep. He quickly moves out of the preschool ministry back into adult ministry. Then we see in verse 17 that final exchange. He says to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And with this final exchange, Jesus asked Simon, not do you agape me. He asked Simon, he asked Peter, do you phileo me. Why did Jesus change the verb here? It's because Jesus reaches down and he gets on the same level as Peter. You know what he did? 
You know why he did that? It's because that is what Jesus does. He left heaven full of all of its glory, and he came and he dwelt among us. He got down on our level in order to restore us to his level. When Peter was asked that third time, Scripture tells us that, that he was grieved, that he was broken. In verse 17, we read, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus restore Peter? three times. You know what Jesus is doing, don't you? He's taking Peter back to that charcoal fire, back to that place where he heard that rooster crow that third time. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. We all need to be brought back to our own charcoal fires. It is there that we are able to do business with the Lord. It is there that we are forgiven, affirmed, and restored. In closing, notice what Jesus would tell Peter. He says in verses 18 and 19, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, before he denied Jesus, told Jesus that he would go to jail and even die for Jesus, doesn't he? Didn't he? You remember that? Jesus then tells Peter here in these closing words that one day the words that you spoke about me unto yourself would become a reality. We know Peter would frequently um, attend jail cells, right? He would be thrown in prison time and time again. He would be beaten for his faith. And we are told that he would die a martyr's death. We're told um, that, that his, his head was pointed down and his feet upward whenever he was crucified on a cross because he, he chose to be crucified that way because he said he was unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus was. Folks, all of us have had moments of regret in our past. And there is a very, very good chance that there will be more moments of regret and failure in our future. Let me challenge all of us that when those moments come, let us turn our regret into repentance in order to experience restoration. What do you need to let go of this morning? What charcoal fire do you need to return to this morning in order to do business with the Lord, in order to be restored? Now, I don't know what moments of regret that you have in your past. Some of you have already let go of those moments. You've already returned to that charcoal fire, and you've already done business with the Lord, and that's great. Some of you, though, you may still need to return to that charcoal fire and do business with the Lord, and, and make amends with those that you wronged. And if that's the case, let me begin now, challenge you to pray about who it is that you need to go and, and do business with today in order to make that relationship right so that your relationship with the Lord could be right as well. You know, I don't know what decision you need to make this morning, but let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, admitting that we've all had moments of regret, admitting that we've all had moments of failure. Father, every single one of us in this room have. 
And Father, many of us have already done business with, with you regarding those moments of failure. We've already returned to our charcoal fires and been restored by you. Or we've returned to the charcoal fire, Father, and, and, and made amends with those um, here on earth that, 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 that we've wronged or have wronged us. But Father, there may be still some of us in this room that have business that we need to do, that regret that because of that conversation that we've had or that, that act that we did, Lord, we never, we never made that right. And so this week, we may need to do that. Lord, just reveal that to us. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we don't have to live in the past. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can be restored just as Peter was restored. We can be forgiven just as Peter was forgiven. And we can know, just, just as we read it, the words of the psalmist, that our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. They've been buried in the sea of forgetfulness, for you remember them no more. And we thank you for that. Lord, just move now during this time of invitation. If there's a decision you need to make that somebody needs to make, I pray that they'll do that, Lord. I pray that this will also be a time of prayer and reflection, Lord, that we can just do business with you if business is needed. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come.